depression is usually broken down into three categories. One is absolutely chemical. There's nothing you can do. You're born with it. Genetics absolutely play a part. If you have any medical history, thyroid stuff will do it. So there's that piece. Then there's situational depression. This is trauma. This is abuse. This is seasonal affect disorder. This is pandemic disorder. I'm naming it. You heard it here first. (laughs) Welcome to the Big Kid Problems Podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human being behind Big Kid Problems, Sarah Merrill. Now, I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about entering the adult world, and as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have Big Kid Problems. So each week, we will take a funny yet informative look at a specific Big Kid Problem, break it down with our roundtable panel, then have out an expert to help us solve our problem of the week. From love and relationships, career, money, physical and mental health, bad decisions, and just general life responsibilities, nothing is off limits. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, coming to you from day, I don't know, 378 of quarantine. Who can really keep track at this point? For those of you who are new to the show, you picked a hell of an episode to start off with. Shit is getting real this week as we dive into the super fun, super lighthearted topic of depression. (laughs) All right. So every season, I try to do a dedicated mental health episode, and I've wanted to talk about depression for a while. Originally, I had this episode slated for a little bit later in the season. I kind of wanted to like butter you guys up a little bit before just jumping into such a heavy topic. But Due to the current events and what's been going on the last few weeks, I decided to, you know what, just we're going to release it a little bit early because I think it's something that we can all use right now. I mean, these are scary times with coronavirus and there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of pain going on. A lot of us are struggling and I know this is a tough topic, but there is actually a lot of tips and resources in this episode that I think might actually give you some comfort. And don't worry, I'm going to actually ease you guys into this one. First up, I have a very candid combo with hilarious comedy writer and host of the Adderall and Compliments podcast, Annabelle DeSisto. If you don't know Annabelle, she was a writer for the legendary Joan Rivers, and she has dealt with depression for most of her life. So she gives us a very unique perspective on what that's like. And guys, you're probably going to think I'm such an asshole in this interview because Annabelle is just cracking me up and I'm sitting there dying laughing as she's talking about depression. I look like the biggest dick, but she is just so witty and my kind of humor. So just, you're going to see what I'm talking about. It's not my fault. Uh, I should also note, we recorded this pre-social distancing, so don't be alarmed when you hear us together. Then, if you listen through, I have an incredible expert on this week, Dr. Daryl Appleton. She is a psychotherapist who's going to give us a lot of tips and tools to use while we're at home if we start to feel depressed. She's going to be our little pocket therapist this week. And she'll also give us some tips on how to take care of our friends and family who may also be struggling through this. 
So this episode has a lot in it. We're going to have some fun, but we're also going to get a little bit deep. And if you are somebody who can get triggered by the talks of depression, I have a ton of other episodes that are way more lighthearted than this one. And I won't be offended if you want to sit this one out. All right. So without further ado, let's just get right into it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Before we get into the show, I've got to mention a little secret weapon from my personal arsenal, Hum Nutrition. Especially leading into my wedding this year, I have been obsessed with Hum Nutrition, which offers a variety of high-potency vitamins and supplements combined to achieve specific aims. So for example, for the past few months, I've been taking their Runway Ready formula, which has a mix of vitamin E, fatty acids, and biotin to make your hair, skin, and nails glow and grow. I first learned about Hum Nutrition back when I used to do some TV stuff and I would always take that runway ready formula leading up to an on-camera project just so I knew I would look my best. So needless to say, I am all over it leading into my wedding. I use a bunch of their other formulas too, like their green superfood powder in my smoothies every single day. It gives you that daily dose of raw greens, adaptogens, enzymes, and probiotics. If you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen me make my little green smoothies. During this quarantine, I've also had a hard time sleeping. I don't know if any of you have experienced that too, uh, but I started taking their Beauty Z's formula that has melatonin and B6 vitamins to get a more restful sleep. Let me tell you, that has been a game changer for me. So if you want to check out Hum Nutrition, hop on their website and take a little quiz to find out the best formulas for you based on what you're looking for. Just go to humnutrition.com and click get started to take that quiz. And I have a little 20% off code for our listeners when you use code BIGKID at checkout. Again, that's 20% off when you head to Hum Nutrition and use code BIGKID at checkout. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. I'm joined now by Annabelle DeSisto. She was a writer for Joan Rivers on Fashion Please, and she is now the host of the Adderall and Compliments Podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me in your apartment. I've done a full home invasion. <laughs> I've kept you hostage. No, I love I love when people come to me and I don't have to leave my house. This is like my dream scenario. So thank you. No, this is like my favorite thing. I mean, to trap people. Normally I hate leaving my apartment, but getting to talk to like a pretty girl, I'm like, oh my God, I'm full on. I told you, I'm like, I'm full on like Liam Neeson's daughter and taken, <laughs> but you just in your own, on your own couch. So I'm more sorry for you. No, but thank no, you for having this me. This is great. Um, but we're here. I have you here for the depression episode, a real fun one. A real, you know, just easy, breezy episode this week. But you were the brave, you're brave enough to come on and talk about it. Then like easy, breezy, wearing the same outfit for five days. <laughs> <laughs> Living it, loving it. Um, yeah, so you, you're pretty open. I mean, you talk about this on your podcast too. Have you like always had depression? Is this like a new thing? No, it's like not new. Like when people say like, I suffer from depression, I'm like, really? Cause I'm great at it. I don't suffer at all. I'm like, it's very easy for me. Yeah. I didn't really know what it was like growing up. Uh, granted my mom's bipolar and my dad's like manic depressive. So I was not coming into the world with like a full deck, you know, genetically. <laughs> So like, <laughs> chemically, I wasn't set up, you know, uh, to win really. But yeah, I didn't really realize it was like depression and anxiety till 
Mm. Oh, that's your that's your cocktail depression anxiety. That's my I'm like anxiety with like a little sprinkle of depression. You're like, I'm an anxiety, but with a rising (laughs) (laughs) rising sign of depression. 100%. Um, and I'm like in a manic moon, depending on what, uh, what Libra season it is. Yeah. I think right now I'm on the, uh, pharmaceutical cocktail of Lexapro, Wellbutrin and Adderall is my breakfast of champions. Oh, you really, so you, you, that is like legit your cocktail, your every day or yes, every single day. Yeah. Probably not nearly enough. Um, I, I honestly should get like, uh, retested. Uh, we probably need to boost those levels, but yeah, I used to only be on Adderall and I did not think I was like addicted to it because I was prescribed it. But now looking back when, uh, my doctor found out how much Adderall I used to be prescribed, I didn't realize it was like having kind of a Conrad Murray situation where like the doctor, they had me on 80 milligrams of Adderall. That's a lot of Adderall. And Holy I- shit. And so I, I guess I'm surprised I have like any teeth left compared to like how much I used to grind them. Oh my God. Maybe that's why I have Kirsten Dunn's little corn teeth. Because no. I, I was on uh, meth for so many years. <laughs> it it kind of is. It's like almost like borderline meth. So wait, is that, before we even get into that, is that where the, uh, the title of your podcast came from? Yes, because um, I was trying to think of the two things that feed me the most and give me a reason for living. And that was Adderall and uh, compliments and other people's validation. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, what feeds me the most? Oh, approval from others. Oh, wow. Well, you came to the right place. How long have you been doing your podcast? Um, three years. Okay, great. And so you 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 came up with the idea, the concept of it, and you've just, you've been running with it ever since. Yes. Thanks to having a stage mom who literally forced me to put out my first podcast and because I'd had the equipment for like five months and I like never did anything with it. Like everything else I buy on Amazon, I'm like, I'm going to return this and then nothing. Um, So I look, I have a hoarders of like Amazon boxes of stuff that I uh, like, honestly, like journals of like 2012 is going to be your year. And I'm like, I didn't return (laughs) it in time. I was like, no, you're putting out a podcast. You have to do at least one. And I, on my first episode, I'm like, no one's going to listen to this, mom, because she's my guest. And then it was out of depression that I kept doing it so I would see one person a week. Wow, really? That sounds so sad. That sounds, um, no pun intended, that sounds very sad um, on the depression episode. But I was like, okay, at least then it will get me out of my apartment to see one of my friends a week. Wow. That was really like the, that the genesis. Was, that was it. So I didn't really plan on anyone listening to it, which that I guess has paid off for me because like that wish um, has still happened. I'm like, nobody really listens <laughs> that to it. But like, false. That, is, that is false. You have so many reviews. You have, you've been doing this for a long time. You should be proud. Like you're fucking crushing it. So thank you. That's um, how I, sometimes I take my pills is by crushing <laughs> them up. It just goes into your stream faster. But what's so funny though, is like, cause you know, you're, we're talking about depression this episode and I'm looking at you and you're like a smiley, like funny person. Do you think you get a lot of your humor out of your your darkness or what, like wh- how? <laughs> Thank you for, I'm, please just isolate that audio clip for me so I can <laughs> play that as my opening. Um, yeah, I think I developed a sense of humor, like how you said that you developed your sense of humor because you were like bullied growing up or kind of like teased by yeah guys. Like, I did not have a brother to tell me that I was hideous. Um, <laughs> 
I had to find out when I went to middle school and Ooh. have everyone else catch me up to speed on it. <laughs> because my parents told me that I was the most beautiful girl in the world. So going in, uh, being like 120 pounds, like in elementary school. And when people started like making fun of me, I was like, who's this fat girl behind me? Who keeps like walking? Like, what is she like? And I was like, oh, it's me. Like, I did not realize it. And like, I'm Sicilian. So I was like the first kid to grow a mustache, like in (laughs) In middle school. Yeah. And so um, they called me Manabelle. No. Which to this day, I will like give them credit. It's a very Honestly, clever joke. That's that's great. That's creative. That's pretty good. And like I wrote for Joan Rivers and I don't know if I would have ever come up with that. It's it's super it it's very funny and it paid for my therapist's beach house on Jupiter Island. So I can't say it's bad. <laughs> like, but I was just bullied so uh so badly that I like couldn't ride the bus because like uh they would spit on me. And also they would tell me that I was slowing it down. Oh my God. I was like, why the fuck do you want to get to school so quick? Yeah, like, nerds. I was going to say, I'm like, losers. So nobody would hang out with me besides the teachers because uh, as if their jobs don't suck enough, uh, they're underpaid, they live in Florida and they're stuck with me <laughs> during lunch. So I just was around adults and tried to make them laugh. And so I would say that's why I kind of like have a Fraser Crane more sophisticated yeah, sense, of, <laughs> sense of humor. I have to tell you, you're so my brand of humor. Like I'm sitting here like cracking up dying. But That's the nicest compliment ever because I have such a girl crush on you. I have such a like comedy crush on you. I just think you're so brilliant. You're one of the best writers. So, oh my gosh, stop it. Well, you're, I love how we're just like girl crushing at the same time. This is amazing. But you, okay. So I kind of want to get into your, your depression a little bit. You mentioned it started early on. You started getting me fun of in school. Like what was like your first, um, cause I think, I think what's cool now, and we talked a little bit about this before the show, but we were we were saying how like back in our day or like yeah. back in the day, like it was, you couldn't talk about like any, one, I didn't think, like, did you think at this point that you had any kind of mental health issue? No, because compared to my parents, I'm completely fine. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm the normal one. So I didn't think it was a big deal. I, I'm just thought every other kid's like, oh, don't you think about your parents dying every single day? Like that was like one of my earliest memories was uh, me thinking like, my dad's going to have a heart attack while he's driving and we're going to go into this canal. And that's one of my earliest memories because I remember I was young enough to be sitting in the backseat. And I just thought that's like what everyone thought about. Yeah. I was like, that's like my go-to. That's like how I wake up in the morning. I'm like, you guys don't do that. (laughs) And I'm like, you guys don't leave your uh, like home for six days, like in a row. I mean, that was... I mean, that was a good streak for me. Like, what's the longest you haven't left your... Uh, haven't left my place. That is such a, that is such like a classic depressive thing. Um, I, I experienced it a lot. When I was in New York, you kind of like didn't have, like you had to leave your apartment all the time. But when I came here to LA and I had a couple like low moments where like feeling super isolated, not knowing what the hell I'm doing with my life, whatever, what have you. Um, I feel like there was probably like a good like, three or four day streak where I not only didn't leave my place, but I also didn't like change my clothes. Oh yeah. That, yeah. And also I feel like it's, uh, technology has really aided our uh, mental, I mean, we can talk more about mental illness, but also it's really helped it so much. Cause I'm like, with how many delivery services there are, I'm like, <laughs> oh, you don't have to leave your house ever. So I'm a full on kind of like in my 
when I get really into my into my flow, into my depression flow, I'm it's a full on like Howard Hughes where I'm like, I can't remember like the last time I left left my apartment. And then I have to do checklists of like, I brushed my teeth and showered today. Like, okay, Kelly Ripa, like look at you, you're on a roll. Like, what happened? Like, you're doing amazing today. But it's like, honestly, when you're in a depression, like sometimes like when you brush your teeth and like take a shower, that's like big for you that day. You're doing good. You're doing okay. So you have to celebrate like small wins (laughs) that time. It's very true. It is funny though, because like we, you know, we talked about how even in these instances, because it's now so mainstream, like talking about anxiety and depression, it's almost like, you know, I feel like it's become such like a part of meme culture. Like I yeah. just feel like memes brought this to the forefront almost. You're one of the pioneers. You <laughs> on, you paved the way, honestly. You're like Rosie the Riveter, <laughs> but with like just a prescription model. Like that's how I want you to do. I'm David LaChapelle and you. I'm like, all right, we're going to do a photo shoot. And instead of... Um, but no, you have helped and you're so, I never even thought about that way. That's so brilliant that you guys really did help bring like mental illness and make it like socially acceptable. And now like so mainstream, so like accepted. It's accepted. That's the word. I feel like it's just, we all have more information about it. So I feel like it's cool because you can kind of, even anybody listening to this podcast, like I, that's kind of what I wanted to get out of you is some of these things so that maybe somebody who is struggling but doesn't recognize that maybe they even have an issue can yeah. see like, oh, like actually this is a thing. Because that was a big thing with my anxiety. Like I didn't know that it was, like you said, like I didn't know it was that bad. Like I just kind right. of assumed like it was normal. And then like more information I got, I'm like, wait a second, maybe I actually like, <laughs> maybe I actually need some help here. Like, this is not a great way to move through life. Of like, yeah, my social anxiety, sometimes I would just spend like two hours getting ready and I would like look in the mirror and I'm like, I can't go out. And I would just like have a full on, I like would feel like I would like want to throw up like the knot in my stomach where it was just, I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm leaving the house. And like I told people, the amount of like having, the amount of times my cat has I'm doing Dr. Evil quotes, has had to go to the emergency vet. <laughs> People are probably like, well, stop poisoning your cat. Like, because I just, oh, my, like, because I don't have kids. And I honestly think the only reason to have kids would be like, oh, you always have an excuse. But like, my cats are my children. So I'm like, I, I, I can't. It's last minute, last minute emergency. So like, I basically had like a bunch of like cats die. Um, <laughs> not in real life, but it's just, yeah, my social anxiety just like was so horrific. And like, depression. And then it's like every, so many people have this. Yeah. When did you get like diagnosed? I got, I finally went on medication because to me, it's like, I had been in therapy. I'd had a therapist since like fifth grade. So it wasn't like I've been in therapy and my parents, like AKA my investors have always been very positive (laughs) of like, go to any healer you want, get like, have this, go to that therapist, whatever, or whatever you want to do to like get better. That's amazing. And wait, I love that you call your parents your your investors. I was like, I was like, poor investment for them, but good for me. So it's like, I was just, I was putting off medication for so long because to me, like medication meant if I like agreed to medication, I'm like, what I, what everyone used to think of like mental illness, what I thought of medication where I like thought it was full on like girl interrupted, yeah. like cutting myself up. I was like, oh, oh no, no, I'm not that. It's like, oh God, no, I'm like not that crazy. I don't need like medication. But I had no problem being on Adderall and like making jokes of it. And like, but to me, like 
being on antidepressants, I was like, oh God, no, I couldn't like, to me, I told you like the, that level of shame, I like honestly felt like it would be like having like pedophile or something like tattooed on my forehead. I'm like, everyone will know. And I'll be, I'll be shamed out of society. Um, so it's like, I was so bad that my parents like came there, like either we're having you move home or you need to go to a doctor and get tested. So they sent me to this place called the Amen Clinic. My mom's like, I, I saw this uh, doctor on PBS. I'm like, you will do anything for a fucking free tote bag, Nancy. She like, called in, bought this like doctor's book. Uh, she's like, I love a tote bag. I was like, who doesn't? But Wait, what, now what, I have to go what to- was, What was like the behavior that you were doing that made your parents be like, we're getting you help? Oh, I hadn't gone to sleep for like five days. Ooh. I would be up. I was uh, brushing my, I was cleaning my bathroom. And also my place looks like a hoarder's buried alive. Like episode, like everything was just out. And it's like, when you live by yourself and like nobody's coming over, so nobody can like judge me. Yeah. And like the cats, you know, sadly, like nobody's hearing their screams for help. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, like my place is a mess. I'm going to clean. And the only place that was clean in my bathroom was I had just cleaned this like one grout with a toothbrush over and over. It's like that one grout was like sparkling. Everything else was like a TLC episode. Oh my God. (laughs) And so that, and just, uh, yeah, just like, just kept like crying and crying and just like, I had never, I was like, no, I would, I had never like attempted, like attempted suicide, but just the feeling when you feel you're like, oh, I want this feeling to die inside Mm -hmm. of just like, oh, I, I, don't want to. Every time when I woke up, I was like bummed out I woke up. <sighs> and I was like, oh, again? Seriously? Like I, and so then I told you, I'm like, when people say like, there's not enough hours in the day. I'm like, really? There are too many hours. Like when you're depressed, you're like, I just, like, come on, Tylenol PM, like work your magic. So like, then they were like, you were sending you. So it was three days of every type of testing and brain scans. What kind of testing? The, the weirdest testing of like, uh, my first person was like, okay, we're going to do, we're going to do cognitive, like finish the sentence, like say two ways or two ways that planes and bicycles are the same. And I was like, they're both modes of transportation and they both have wheels. Like, and I was like, like, what are two ways that they're different? And I was like, well, one flies in the air and the other would be harder to have sex on. (laughs) And he was like, I'm sorry. And I was like, I mean, I guess you could. It would just probably be like more uncomfortable. He's like, I'm just, what did you just say? And I was like, well, you know, like how, like, cause like people have sex like on airplanes. And he was like, I'm, he's like what? writing down. Well, he was, like, he was just like, and he was like, are you a sex at, do you often have sex on airplanes? I guess they weren't getting it. How he like, yeah. How he like looked at me. I was like, you know, like sex on airplanes. And he's like, I've never heard. I'm like, you've never seen a wacky comedy before. I'm like, like the Mile High Club. And he's like, I've never heard of this. I'm like, no, I have plenty of disorders. That's not, I'm not like a a man. Like I'm not a sex maniac. I just, it's a thing. And he's like, Mm-hmm. So like, do you often have thoughts of this? I was like, no, if anything, I'm like, I'm terrified of like sex or anyone. I'm like, that's just really, you've never seen a scene about it. Like, and so it was, they were not enjoying me. Yeah. Uh, they weren't picking up your brand of humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The CAT scans, they honestly could not wait till I was out. And so when I had to go in and see my like CAT scans, uh, they have like the different colors of like, all right, this is like what a normal brain looks like and this is like a brain with like PTSD and like there are some 
red and blue. And mine honestly looked like a Lisa Frank brain. It was like so bright. And I was like, ooh, that's pretty. And then I was like, oh, that's not a good sign. And so I always say them like, they're probably the best headshots I've ever taken because they're (laughs) far most distracted. But I was like, oh, it made me feel better of like, it's not me being lazy because like a lot of depression, um, you make it worse by you're like, okay, I'm just being lazy. I don't deserve to feel this way. Because like, you're like, I, you know, have a roof over my head. Like people have it so much worse. I'm not, you know. Yeah. You know, like, I don't deserve to feel There's the same. like guilt almost on yeah. top of it. Yeah. And then it makes it like worse. And then there are people like, there are people in, you know, who I'm like, right. But just because like there's somebody in the world who has it the worst out of everyone. And just like, it's not only like that person's allowed to be sad. Yeah. Be, it's like that all pain is like relative and like your feelings, like just because somebody has it worse doesn't, doesn't like not validate yours. And it makes your depression cycle worse. And it's like realizing it's like a chemical imbalance and like doesn't, you don't get to choose it. Right. Like, I think that's such a, an important distinction. And like, what's interesting when we talk about depression is like that chemical imbalance. So I think some people can feel depressed. Like we all have times where we're, we all get sad. We all have times where we're, where we, you know, we go through shit, we feel low. Yeah. And there's a difference between that and actual like clinical depression. Yeah. yeah. So you're seeing these cats, these cat scans that look like Elisa Frank. Yeah. I'm like, they were so pretty. I post them in my Facebook. I'll text them to you. (laughs) Um, My new background. (laughs) And I'm like, it's so pretty. It was like a tie-dye. And that made me, that honestly made me feel so much better. And I felt like less crazy. And I realized like, okay, this isn't a choice. I, I didn't really... I had this going in just based on like family history. So that this was like probably going to happen. And at least now like, I know now that I need to get on medication for it. Like seeing that, I was like, okay, I can't, I can't keep avoiding it anymore. And then it's like when I finally got on medication, I felt like the closest thing is like that I had been like almost drowning. I'd been like drowning for years, like flailing my arms, and like somebody was basically just kind of like trying to throw me like what is this like a life raft? Yeah, like a life raft of like put this on. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get it together. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn how to swim. And they're like, no, you're almost. I'm like, I got it. I'm good. I'm fine. And then like when I finally like put it on, it's not like medication makes everything better. It's like I still have that. It just like makes the highs like makes the high and lows like less extreme. Yeah, and makes it easier to deal with. And it's like I feel like life is already so hard anyway for anyone. And so it's like, there's no reason to make it harder on yourself. And it's like when you're, there's like nothing worse than being at war with your own brain. Yeah. Of like every day you're like fighting with yourself on top of everything else you have to deal with. And so when I realized like how long I'd been putting it off when I got on, it was like, oh, like I felt like I could finally like breathe again. I was like, okay, I'm able to leave my house. Like for a month I had, it was just, the only people I met were like my delivery people. And it was just, it was like a tour of like fast food places. Like when I realized like I would order like five things of fast food, like in a day. And finally, sometimes I'd get the same delivery person. He's like having a party. And I'm like, no, <laughs> just me. Just I'm like, that was my like goal was to, I'm like, I'm going to stop ordering enough to have people being like having people over. Like, <laughs> nope, just, just gaining 40, like I gained 40 pounds. It was like awful. But it was like doing that uh, made me realize I'm like, oh, how much I like wish I had gotten help sooner. Mm-hmm. That's such like a common thing. And that's like, 
I mean, I don't have depression, but I um, I have anxiety. And I remember I felt the same way. Like when I finally, because there was such a, there used to be such a stigma. And I always thought like, no, I know what a crazy person looks like. Like, yeah. you know, like I see on TV what a crazy person looks like. I'm not a crazy person. And when I finally like went to therapy, I was like, it was such a weight off. I was just like, oh my God, I was so mad. Well, it was a weight off, but I was also mad at myself. Because I was like, I spent like all of this time suffering when I could have been like, getting some help. Exactly. And you're like, oh no. And I was like, where's like Doc Brown and like a DeLorean? I'm like, no, I could go back and have like the amount of like, yeah, just like, yeah, the years I like, I can't say that they're like wasted, but it's just like, yeah, the uh, unneeded like extra suffering that we like put ourselves through. Yeah. And just to, if you're feeling like that, just like don't feel guilty on top of it because it makes it so much worse. Right. Do you feel, so now, I mean, you, you're on medication now. Do you, do you have days where you feel good? And then other days where you like, do you have, cause do you have things that you, where you notice yourself kind of slipping into a depression or are you, are are your emotions regulated now because of the medication? I can definitely tell when I start doing certain behaviors that I'm like, oh, this is a we're, sign. We're going down that hole. Yeah. I can see that with myself too. And so it's like having to catch myself like before I'm letting it get like two backs. And like when I realize I'm like, oh, it's been three days since I left. I was like, then I, that's a big sign for me. Do you force yourself to like get out now? And so then it, it during the summer, it got really bad where I started scheduling my therapist. I have like a therapist I see every week, but I started scheduling her twice a week. So I'm like, I knew that I would have to leave my apartment twice a week. And then trying to do something else, like trying to schedule like my podcast. So it was just, sometimes that was the only time I would see people. Like is during that where I was like, okay, thank God I have this podcast because it's the only time I interact with somebody like besides my, you know, besides my crushes I have on like TV characters and stuff, you know, like besides like Netflix and stuff. It it definitely like shows now or when I like start binge eating a sign of depression this summer was when I bought a thing of Duncan Hines frosting. This was a new move for me. I had never bought frosting before and ate it like soup. And I <laughs> ate an entire thing of Duncan Hines frosting. We shouldn't be laughing, but like it is Oh no, honestly... I like look back. I'm like, you would, I eat like when I start going into uh, my spirals, I eat like I'm like one of those Japanese men in like a competition. Mm-hmm. Like you would think I'm eating to win something uh, <laughs> of like the amount and like how fast I'm doing it. And I'm like, nope, just competing against myself and which personality is going to get there to the bottom of this frosting. Like that was one I had never done before. And I was like, oh, we're in a different, hmm. This is, it's getting creative now. I was like, this is new. Oh All right. Um, so yeah, that was a sign of like, okay, you need to do more. Like, you know what works for you when you're, going out, you're seeing friends, you're like journaling. So you know what works and you're actively not doing it. Yeah. Uh, That's what I was kind of going to ask you next. Like, what are your go-tos when you, when you're maybe like, what are your go-to things that you like lean on? Like if you're starting to feel a little, a little bad, like do you do, are there specific things that you have in your daily routine that you like have to do or that you start to do maybe when you, when you see those, um, like warning signs? I make myself, I've, I really contributed to, to the drought this summer. Um, whenever I, I make sure, sometimes I would shower like three times a day because my therapist was like, whenever you're starting to feel like really bad and get like really down in spiral, because my thoughts spiral so quickly, mm. I'll be fine. Even this morning, like I 
it can happen so quickly where I like go into like a JK rally and like Harry Potter level, like that level of fantasy, not in successful way of like, I'm writing a book or like just the amount of like fantasy scenarios I create of like, and this happened, this is happening. And this is happening in my life. And this person hates me. And you're like, like having to not believe everything your brain is telling you, you're like, not every thought is true, but having to like decipher. But yeah, I make myself um, take a shower because my therapist says like changes, like when you're in water, it changes like your blood chemistry or something. Huh. So it's like, I'd be like, I have to get into the shower. So I like, then I just kind of seemed OCD. I make myself walk to, uh, even if I just walk to the corner on the street, it's like getting out and getting fresh air mm-hmm. and getting out natural lighting, which I used to hate and making sure I drink like a thing of water. I know this sounds like so boring. It's like, drink water. No, but it's all these things that like, we know to do, but then we all miss them. You but know? then when I realized, I'm like, oh, because I'm like, I haven't had a thing of water in like two days. I would realize I would like take medication with coffee. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't, mm. <laughs> I, I think I opened my mouth in the shower a little bit, but I have like not drank any water. Like having to do that and telling one of my friends. Like that's on your list too. Of I will text them. Thankfully, I, I have an incredible group around me who like, completely understand. And they all also suffer from like mental illness. Like they're podcasters too. It's like <laughs> part of the qualification. I'm seeing, yeah. I'm seeing a thread here. Yeah. It's like, you can't upload to iTunes unless you have some <laughs> type of <laughs> disorder. Um, and I tell them like, Hey, I really, I really need to see you. I really need, I really need to like have some time today. And even if they just come over, just having face to face with a friend or even just like FaceTiming. Yeah. Of talking to somebody else and getting out of your own head. That's huge. That's actually a really strong one. Of that's a that's a great thing to have. Because I think a lot of people, you know, are I don't want to say are embarrassed, but like, you know, don't I feel like asking for help is sometimes hard. Or like, yeah, like I don't always do that, you know? It is. It's like super hard because it's like so vulnerable. And also you don't want to seem like whiny or that you're feeling bad for yourself or that you're like... Yeah, that's cool that you have like a support system like that. That's awesome. You, there's, they're so incredible. And like my my friend Hannah Brown, she has a hilarious podcast called Brown Eyed Unicorn. And when it was really bad during the summer, she literally would do a wellness call on me every single day. And like, sometimes it would be like 5.30 in the morning when she was like driving to open, like she like had the opening shift on like Soul Cycle or whatever. And so she wouldn't be able to call me for a while. And so she would call me in the morning and then like, how are you doing? And just like that check-in and just talking to a friend and getting to like reflect and getting, seeing somebody else, even if it's just over the phone and not being afraid of like, you have to reach out to other people. Yeah. Because like, I know we all hate it when we have like phone calls and stuff. I mean, <laughs> I know we hate it, but it's like, uh, you can't like wait for plans to come to you. Yeah. You have to like actively make them, which is really hard sometimes. Like, cause like the last thing you want to do is leave your apartment. Honestly, seems like running a marathon sometimes, but it's like the thing that even if it's just for like, sometimes only outside for a few minutes, but like doing that and being like really cognizant of, I feel so bad. I like completely like, it's like that Captain Phillips from the guy with the bad teeth. Like I'm the captain now. Like, I feel like I've completely hijacked your podcast. No, Um, I like it. Uh, uh, being like really cognizant of what you're taking in. Like I've never been the person who was like when they were sad or going through a breakup or whatever to like listen to sad music. Like mm-hmm. even growing up, I like, even before I realized what I had, like I didn't get that. Cause I was like, why? Like, why is that like helping? Like, uh, 
but being really cognizant of like, what are you watching? Like, what are you watching on Netflix? Like, what music are you listening to? Like, are you like, because whatever, like you're taking it in, mm-hmm. like even like subconscious, like subconsciously. And like, if, you know, it's like not helping is if you're like binging like The Handmaid's Tale or, you know, like <laughs> listening like to- a murder show. Yeah, yeah, like you have to do everything you can in like your arsenal of like, what makes you like, like what makes you laugh? Like what makes you happy? Just like light stuff yeah. to like take in because it's not like what you're saying. It's like can either like hurt you or like you're actively like hurting or helping yourself. Yeah, that's that's a good piece to bring up. Um, with your friend who is checking in on you too, which is like so awesome. I think that's just cool for anybody listening to hear. Like, even if you're like, I don't suffer from depression, but you're just like listening and enjoying this podcast. I think it's cool to like know to just check in on your friends. Yeah. Like you never know. Like even just like one checkup call is probably like so helpful for you when you're going through that shit. It, it really is. It completely changes your, it completely changes your mood and it gets you out of like your cycle and you're like, oh, somebody cares about me when like, because like humans are like, we don't like run on logic. Like we run on emotion. Obviously I know like people like uh, care about me, but it's like in that time when you're like, I feel so alone. Yeah. And just even like a text from somebody, you're like, okay, I, because like depression makes you feel like you're the only one, not only going through depression, but like you're only, like you're the only one like on this island. Right. And so just like reaching out to your friend, just like a text or something, it changes like, so like, everything. Yeah. So that's awesome for people to hear, especially if you know like your friend like just got fired or like went through a breakup or something. It's cool to just like check in on them just because. Yeah. You're like, I have this thing in my hand all the time anyway. <laughs> except when I'm like, for good. Yeah. It's like takes like m- nothing, just like an emoji. Like even like it, yeah. literally anything like that. It like helps so much. Yeah. I had, a, I had this girlfriend going through a breakup and like every day for two weeks, I just sent her like dog videos. <laughs> like, I didn't even watch them half the time. And probably by the end of it, she's like, I, I get it. Like, yeah. Thanks. But, um, no, yeah. I mean, I want you to send me the video, uh, hopefully every day of that you did for <laughs> Tucker. Tucker. Yes. Oh, that was another thing. I mean, we were talking about like things we do or things to do, like when you're spiraling. I was, I mean, I always joke, but like, it's true. Like, I feel like pets help. Oh, I, man, like, yeah. When I was going through this, my first thing uh, was, I'm like, I'm going to, I was like, I'm going to get a dog. And dogs used to be like my porn, like not meaning like I would look at like bestiality (laughs) porn. I want to think very clear. Let me just clarify. Yeah. I was just like, I don't need any more shit. (laughs) Uh, Not, uh, not dark web dog porn. I'm saying like, I would go on like pet finder. That would be like, how like guys are like scrolling you porn. I'd be like on page after page of pet finder. I'm like, all right, I'm going to like, you know, mark that dog is like, that's a possibility. I'm like, what am I doing? I used to do that for years, but it's like in this, I was like, I'm getting, I'm getting a dog. So I like wrote to people on Craigslist. I'm like, well, I'm either going to get a dog or have my kidney harvested. Either way, I'm getting out of the house. (laughs) And then it's like on my way there, I was like, oh, I can't do this to a dog. Cause I was like, okay, dogs will make me get out of the house. That was like my thought. And then I was like, no, it won't. I'm like, then I'm just going to have like a fucking like gray gardens, like shit and pee everywhere, like like an animal. And then like, oh, well, I live by myself for, since I've moved out of my parents' house and still every day I'm shocked that no one else has put in a new trash bag in. I'm like, I thought somebody else would take care of this, (laughs) let alone like can't do that to a dog. But I uh, was like, okay, I need a reason. I need something outside of myself. So I decided to foster kittens. Because I was like, I need a reason to get out of bed and something to not focus on myself. And yeah. this will 
like help and it will make me like laugh and it's light and I'm helping. And so I fostered these three kittens and I also started, I had never really done drugs before. I mean, still have never like smoked a cigarette or anything. Like I was not cool in middle school. So I missed like all the like cool kid stuff. So I just kind of started like pot this year. It's like not even pot, like, because I still don't even know how to smoke. My mom is high from the minute she wakes up till the minute she goes to bed. Oh, wow. Like, insane. Well, it's like not even, it's like not even a drug anymore, especially we're in California. It's like- Yeah, it's it's nothing. Next to avocados in the grocery store. I was going to say, it's like like, drinking water. It's basically drinking water. More expensive water. Yeah. But I started doing gummies and that did, you asked me earlier if I do CBD. And I still don't understand, like, what is CBD? Because I will tell you my bad experience of like... Oh, okay. So your gummies, you had a bad experience. So that's why I like CBD because um, I'm similar. Like I, THC for me, like, which is in in weed, will hyper, like, hyper extend my anxiety. Like, you, you've heard about like people get, like, people get paranoid on pot. Like, that's yeah. like a thing. Um, so that paranoia, like, I just get, like, I just freaks me out. And I've had so many, I've had so like, I, I used to smoke pot in high school cause it was cool. And, like every time I smoked pot, I was like paranoid and having like a terrible time. <laughs> but like, I'm like, I guess this is what people do. And then I realized like, wait, I actually fucking hate this. Um, but CBD is like, there's no THC in there. So you don't get any of those negative side effects. Like it just is like a relaxing, like, it's just like the herbal, like relaxation piece. How would you take, or how did you like take it or like digest like so there's many ways <laughs> um we have cbd gummies here and i have like a little cbd pen that okay. i like but i i that's that's fun um but the gummies and the pen are my favorite there's like chocolates there's like all kinds of ways and like you had me at chocolate also that's been a thing of like okay my normal thing is like emotional trigger is like eating yeah but like i'm like okay i know that that will make me even more depressed so like i wasn't able to eat i like started drinking this year not like, again, I, I wasn't sober and like fell off the wagon. I just like, I never really drank. Um, and I was like, oh, missed out on years of fun. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, no, I can't like start like drinking alone. Cause like, I don't, I'm not like sophisticated. I feel like drinking a glass of wine is like very acceptable. But like, if you make a cocktail, people are like, oh, like my <laughs> like psychiatrist is even like, I was like, I have like had a drink. And he was like, oh, and I like a like wine when you sit down. I was like, no, I made myself cocktail. And he's like, oh, Annabelle. And I was like, that's the same thing. I'm like, just in a different glass. I'm like, I just don't like the taste of wine. How is that any different? He's like, well, I, and I was like, no, seriously, like, how is that different? And like, I don't like the judgment. And he's like, drinking alone isn't good. I'm like, okay. And since I know how manic I am, I have to be really careful. So I was like, okay, I'll do like these weed gummies. Yeah. And I'm like, and it's like, you know, it'll be like, I'm eating candy. So I had talked about in my Facebook group how like depressed I was. I've like, I am like, I have not been this depressed in a very, very long time. Like it's the closest I've felt. I'm like, oh no, I want this feeling inside of me to like, to die. Like I want to like kill this part like inside of me. I'm like, oh, this is just miserable. So I had already like posted that like on Facebook a little bit, but it's like, I ate these gummies and then I started to feel like, oh my God, I can't swallow. And then I was like, oh my, like, I really freaked out. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to swallow my tongue. Cause I could, I could not swallow. Even if I like, I tried to take a drink and I looked like a ventriloquist, just like water, just like, part. I was like, I can't. and I was having a panic attack. And then I realized I'm like, oh my God, what if I'm having like a food allergy to these gummies? And I know you're behind on your housewives, but Bethany Frankel, it was like, if the episode had 
aired the week earlier where Bethany Frankel had a food allergy and she almost died. And so I was like, oh my God, what if I'm having a food allergy? So of course I was like doing what any, you know, medical professional does. They go on like WebMD. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh my God, am I having a food allergy? Am I having a food allergy? And I'm like, oh my God, it's like the universe was trying to give me a sign because the Bethany Frankel story just happened. And so I already knew what's happening. So I was like Googling it and just spent so much time looking at it. And they're like, if you're having a food allergy, you have like 20 minutes before you have to call like uh, 911. And I was like, I've already spent more than 20 minutes. Like... I was like, oh my God, what if I, I'm like, what if I die because of this? And people think I did it on purpose because I've written all those sad Facebook posts. And so I was like, oh my God, and these kittens have to eat. Like, I was like, oh my God. So I called 911 and I was so embarrassed. I was like, um, I think I'm having a food allergy to these gummies. So like, will you tell me if I'm having a food allergy? And they're like, ma'am, we can't tell you anything over the phone. What's your address? Do you want us to send, we either have to send a medical unit out or we have to hang up because I can't give you, they're not legally allowed to give any advice over the phone. I was like, um, uh, I was like, if I am fucking taken out by these like gummies and that's how I die, I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, like, no, I, this is not how I'm going out. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I can't, can you just like, can you just send like a medical like training student? Cause also I'm like, also high as like fuck. And I'm like, I, can you just like send like a paramedic and train? Like I just don't need like a whole like thing. And she's like, all right, we're sending it. And like where I live, I live uh, literally like catty corner to a like fire department. So I'm out on the street and it's, it's like 2 a.m. And so I see this like full size like fire truck like come out. No. And it's like there had, <laughs> I was like, okay. And it like starts going off. And I was like, well, clearly they're not like for me. And then they just, park like diagonally like, in the middle of the road and like get on there like are you and like are you Annabelle <laughs> this and I was like no I was like oh no 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 it's no this wasn't like a whole oh no no I just needed like one and it's like literally there was a team of seven of them no of, meanwhile you're like high as a kite I'm like high as a kite I'm wearing clothes I have not changed out of in four days I have multiple different stains on me I'm like this has been a blanket and napkin and like sleep shirt and I'm like sitting there I'm high as fuck and literally it was when they got out and they like take their like gear off or whatever they got geared up they are in gear and I'm like some people I'm like oh my god I'm like and I was like no you guys I just and I'm like you guys probably left a chili cook off because I'm like so high and like and then like I look at them I'm like "Ah, I'm not trying to be racist but um you guys look and like you guys like look like you were hired to go to a bachelorette party and take your costumes off. You don't look like real firefighters. Um, and I just, um, I just don't feel like my tax dollars are being, like should be paid for like to have such good looking people risk their faces and fires. And like, I just, I don't know if I can swallow. Like, I was literally, it was, and they just started laughing. He's like, I can't give you an official opinion. And I was like, okay. And he's like, but if I was your, he's like, would you like to know what I would say to a friend of mine? I'm like, I would very much like to be your friend, please. You're a very good looking human. And he was like, I would say that you're just really high and that you didn't need to call 911. That's what I would say to my friend. I'm just curious. Did you ever get billed for this little visit? No, they never took like any information. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. That would have been worse. Like at the end of the story, if you're like, and then it was like two thousand dollars. And I was just like, honestly, like I'm like, so the weed way ahead of you. The weed wasn't a great choice. No, so like then the gummies were not a good choice. And I was like, I just why is like why doesn't like anything work? And I was like, oh, maybe try CBD. Maybe that's your maybe that's your next move. Annabelle, thank you so much for being on. <laughs> I'm so 
so sorry. And you're like, medical professionals need to like edit this. Uh, no, you know, this no, has no, been no, a disaster. No, <laughs> this has been a medical no, this problem. Actually, this has actually been great. No, but it's great to hear like an honest, like actual, uh, you know, take on what it's like. So I appreciate you being on. Where can people find <laughs> more of you? Uh, they can, f- hopefully they can not find me at a hospital when this comes out. Hopefully I will uh, not have a shaved head. Um, They can find me on Adderall and compliments on iTunes and on Instagram at Annabelle DeSisto. Awesome, thanks. Stick around and we will be right back with our expert of the week. This episode today is brought to you by my new favorite natural deodorant, Curie. Last week, I did one of those poll stories on Instagram asking you guys if you were into natural deodorant. And overwhelmingly, 75% of you said that you had tried one, but didn't like it. And I was right there with you until I found Curie. I probably tried five different natural deodorants and noticed a range of issues, but Curie actually works the way it's supposed to. It rolls on smooth, it lasts all day and it smells freaking amazing. Like I'm honestly in shock I used CVS deodorant up to this point in my life. Like Curie just feels like such a luxury product in comparison. It kind of feels like when I went from body splash in middle school to using an actual perfume. Like that's the level of upgrade we're talking about here. Curie is aluminum-free, paraben-free, sulfate-free, cruelty-free, and it comes in 100% recyclable packaging, which is, you know, great for the planet. It's honestly hard for me to explain just how amazing Curie is, so the only way for you to get it is to try it for yourself. And lucky you, I have a discount code. Just head to curiebod.com, and that's Curie, like C-U-R-I-E, and get 20% off when you use code BIGKID at checkout. I'll also link it in show notes, but again, that's curiebod.com and get 20% off with code BIGKID at checkout. Now back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. I'm joined now by Dr. Daryl Appleton. She is a licensed psychotherapist. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for taking your time today to be on the show because we are in the midst of a pretty crazy time. And mm. we're obviously, we're talking, this is the depression episode. And before we even get into what's going on now, I mean, let's just even just talk about like the very basics of depression, right? Like what would you say separates depression from like your run of the mill, you know, negativity or like just anxiety? Oh God, I think depression is a scary word and people throw it around a lot. Like, oh my God, I'm so depressed. Like, girl, no, you're not. You're sad <laughs> and you're allowed to be sad. Like pandemic wise, we are allowed to feel frustrated, sad, scared, all of the emotions right now because we're human beings. So depression really starts to take on this other kind of monstrosity of you can't get out of bed. You're really feeling um, sad not even some of the time, but most of the time for weeks at a time. So we see depression take on this kind of new life form where it becomes your baseline when your baseline might normally be like, I'm pretty bubbly, I'm pretty happy. Um, This becomes the new normal and that's when we start to get a little worried. And I think during this quarantine, a lot of us are experiencing some of these classic 
signs of depression. You know, like we're going through isolation for the first time. We have all of this like financial insecurity and disruptions to our routine. And I'm interested like what your thoughts are about people who might be experiencing this for for the first time. I think for everybody that is experiencing it, it's normal. I just need to normalize it. We've never been through something like this, especially if you're in your young 20s, your brain's not even fully formed till you're 25. So you're freaking out anyway about your quarter life crisis. And then this drops on you. Like I feel for you. But at the same time, we have to also take a step back and A, understand we're human and B, know that there are things that are absolutely in our control in a world that feels like it's spinning out of control. Um, And I'm sure we'll talk lots about that. But my main concern is just really getting everybody in touch with how they're feeling. I don't want people brushing stuff under the rug. I don't want people being like, oh, this is just a phase. Like, Get in tune with your feelings because there are ways that we can absolutely mitigate it from becoming something bigger. Yeah. I think that's that's the biggest thing. Um, and especially something I want to get into today, because like you said, there's a difference between like having some of these bouts of depression. And then when you actually, it starts to become your state of living. Mm. And even like, I'm just thinking about in my own personal life. Cause right now, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm definitely having a lot of anxiety, but I've had like depressive episodes where like what you just said, where it was like, okay, weeks at a time. And I definitely don't want to get back there. I think, no. You know, especially some of us might have like some predispositions to depression. And that's what makes me worried about this quarantine and what's going on right now is a lot of us might slip. Well, and I think you bring up something really interesting. So depression is usually broken down into three categories. One is absolutely chemical. There's nothing you can do. You were born with it. Genetics absolutely play a part. If you have any medical history, thyroid stuff will do it. So there's that piece. Then there's situational depression. This is trauma. This is abuse. This is seasonal affect disorder. This is pandemic disorder. I'm naming it. You heard it here first. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then the third part is a combo. So if you do have a predisposition and something happens, you really want to pad yourself because you just want to be kind to yourself right now. You want to get all the therapies. You want to do all the things because it absolutely can change brain function and brain chemistry. Um, we see it in in uh, research all the time. We know that the way that our synapses fire in our brain that tell us what to do and how to feel will shift if we don't cognitively structure, which means um, reframing and changing your narrative and all this great stuff we talk to the psychotherapists about. But there is a way to fight it for sure. Mm. For, for sure. That is... Yeah. And that's like exactly why I want to have you on to talk about how to fight it. I think everybody needs a therapist. Let me just say that. I am biased. I think everybody needs a therapist. My specialty is in working with Fortune 500 execs and they are, you know, high functioning crazy. So I think like even if you function really well, having a therapist helps. Now, pandemic wise, I think everybody might need to check in with somebody. I suggest they be licensed and therapists and not necessarily just random friends and crazy people you find on chat rooms, but that's still okay. Um, that human connection is necessary. So with psychotherapy or helping in that way outside of chemically, basically what psychotherapists do is they help you name your feelings. What are you feeling? What does that look like? What does that mean? All that kind of quintessential BS. Hmm. They help you normalize it or help you challenge that it's not normal 
So I don't know, right now during a pandemic, yes, it's normal you feel stressed. It's normal you feel sad, especially if you just lost somebody and normalizing that. Or, hey girl, it's been five years and you're still worried about the pandemic. Not super normal. Let's check in on this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the third thing we do is we kind of help people navigate through it. Now that navigation piece, these are the coping skills we talk about. These are all these other really great, you know, meme-worthy here, sit down, my therapist says kind of things, but they actually work. So I guess some of the stuff that you can do at home, I will be your pocket therapist right now. Some of those things look like really working on your resilience. And resilience is how flexible you can be in a time of crisis. It's finding the positive and the silver lining and challenging not the challenging the narrative of why is this happening to me to what is this trying to teach me. And when we can really go on what it's trying to teach us about ourselves, about our relationships, about our communities, our world, um, we can really start to find solutions in that piece versus, oh, what, why is this happening to me? Like, girl, I can't answer that question for you. <laughs> but I can absolutely help you with what this is trying to teach you and what we can do with that. So those are kind of like my few quick tips in like how to navigate it um, without a therapist present, but absolutely reach out and get somebody. Yeah. Oh my god. And I want to get I want to get into therapy in a in a minute because that's a big thing and I think there's a big barrier for people mm-hmm. that don't have therapists to getting a therapist. Like there's so many reasons why you might not want to do that and we'll get into it because it took me it took me years to get a therapist and I had like a million excuses why. Um but before we even jump into therapy, because we definitely have to talk about that. I also, I'm in your boat. I'm like, I want to shout from the rooftops, like everybody should get a therapist. But I love some of these at-home tips. And um, like, okay, I like this. You, you're naming the emotion, which mm-hmm. sounds like weird. But I've actually, I had, I had another exercise like this where you name the emotion. And then let's say the emotion is like overwhelm. And then you, I don't know if you've ever seen that, that you try to reach like, you're not going to go from overwhelm to like happiness and mm-hmm. but maybe you can choose like something maybe like one or two levels li- like lighter than that. <laughs> totally. Yeah, you're not going to go from one extreme to the other. That's ridiculous and I think that goes into that normalizing like you're not supposed to be shouting from the rooftops like or I don't know. I know I'm going to annoy a lot of people right now like posting every workout video and how great everything is right now and oh my god I'm from home. Like if you feel that way, wonderful. If you don't, you don't have to be there. So I think like during this time social media news and I know you guys have probably talked about it a ton but it's not necessarily a good thing cuz that's not the quote unquote norm. People get to be sad right now. You get to like stuff your face full of Oreos and ben- and binge watch, you know this, you know, Tiger King, which is wild. Um, (laughs) And I like can't even get it. That could be an episode in itself. That's wild. Um, But I think like that is okay. Just not forever. Like we also need to be kind with ourselves as human beings. Like, sure, go eat your Oreos and then binge watch. But what are you doing tomorrow? What are you doing next? Because that's always my question. Feel how you want to feel. Let's let's navigate that in the moment. But also, like we need to change that norm because you can't live in that forever. Because that's when depression sets in. Yeah. What are some um, signs you would say that, like, okay, you're falling a little bit too far in the depression, mm. like area? Basically, 
basic hygiene. If you're not washing your ass, if you're not getting up, if you're not brushing your teeth, if it feels really um, heavy, I guess is the right word. Mm. If you do anything, you're kind of like walking through life really heavily. That is kind of like one of our first like body symptoms when our body doesn't feel right. So if you are not doing the things that you normally do that would make you happy, if you're isolating yourself, and again, like I know this is a tough time to talk about that, but this is why we got to pay attention to depression because we are isolating on purpose. But if we are not finding joy in things, meaning connecting with family, that movie that you love that you used to laugh at and now you don't, because depression is really like, what's the point? If anxiety is worried about what if, depression is worried about like, what's the point? It's this hopelessness. Like, mm. it's not worth trying. So, if you're starting to have those thoughts and feelings, absolutely go see somebody quick um, because that turns into suicidal thoughts potentially very soon. Not everybody, but it is a worry um, because suicide is toxic buildup in the brain. Meaning you get so stressed out um, that you get stressed out about being stressed out. The stress continues. You get stressed about being stressed there. And then all of a sudden, your brain starts to kind of like implode being like, okay, well, I have to erase the thing that's causing me the most pain, which is me. <sighs> um, it's, it's a scary place to be. It's a uh, not great place to be if you're a support member because you don't know what to do. But it is a toxic buildup in the brain. We see that through research. So to not get there, we need to mitigate our stresses and we need to kind of keep things in check along the way. Oh my gosh. Yeah, completely agree. And that's fine. I think one of like my original first big kid problems was like my stress has stress. <laughs> Which is like basically what you just said. Like the stress, you have stress and then you feel stressed about your stress. Anyway, I think that's interesting when you talk about like some of those signs of depression. And I, I feel like if those are some of the things that happen because of depression, like can you can you start to fight it by making a conscious effort to do those things? So if it's like if if a sign of depression is staying in bed all day, can you make a conscious effort to get your ass out of bed in the morning and like transfer rooms? Can you make an effort to go shower, you know, twice a day, brush totally. your teeth, do your face care, skin care? Like, can you? Act, like that's what I'm interested in actively fighting those things like with action actually works. Totally. And again, I do not want to minimize that with chemical depression, like you can do tons of stuff and medication is going to be the one thing that really works for you well. So just to, to clear clarify, we're not talking about that necessarily. We're talking more about the situational. Mm-hmm. Yes. Getting up and getting out of bed is incredibly important. And even if the one thing you do is brush your teeth, then you can say, I did something today that was on my bucket list, that was on my you know, to-do list, even though it seems ridiculous to somebody who's never been in a depressive state. So yes, like I shaved my legs today for this. So you're welcome. And thank you <laughs> because like, that's something we forget to do when we're not in a great state or place. And we need to keep up on that to feel even a little bit normal. Yeah. Keeping the like normal routine, I feel like has got to be important. 100%. Um, one thing you said that I thought was really interesting because in my own experience, I recognized this when you said the weight, like, mm-hmm. I feel like when I went through my shit, like I felt every day I woke up and there was like a 50 pound weight on my chest. And right. the hard part is, is like, I'm somebody who goes to therapy. I like, I do all the things like <laughs> I literally like, that's kind of why I started this podcast. Cause I've tried so many tools that actually work and help. 
um, that I wanted to like share them with people. But in that space, like where I woke up with this weight on my chest every day, like I feel like nothing I was doing was really helping. Like I still woke up with it. And I'm wondering if you have any tools for like that. It's hard because there's this place that my people who are I'm working with who are depressed kind of look at me and I say, the best thing you can do is to go do something. And they're like, Daryl, the last thing I want to do is do anything. And I'm like, I know, but that's what they teach us in school. So that's what I'm telling you. Um, we know through research that it's kind of a fake it till you make it. So there's lots of cool research that shows that if you are in a really, really bad place, if you force yourself to smile like a fool, you can actually change the chemistry in your brain to release more dopamine and serotonin. So <laughs> it sounds wild, but if you're having a really bad day, if you're having somewhat of a depressive episode, stare at yourself in the mirror and force yourself to smile for five minutes and tell me how you feel afterwards. Oh, it sounds wild, but I promise you there are little tiny things we can do that help our bodies react in a chemical way that doesn't necessarily make any sense to you know cognition, but it absolutely makes sense because your brain's like, oh, cool, this is what we do when we're happy. We smile, so we must be happy. Hold on, let, we need more dopamine in here. Let's go, let's get this done. Um, so certain stuff like that, it won't necessarily take the 50 pound weight off, but maybe it feels more like 25 and like that's what we're striving for. Yeah, that's a great that's a great thing to clarify is like not one of these things is going to probably clear up everything. Like it takes doing multiple things um to oh, ch- kind of yeah. chip away, chip away at that weight. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And wait, that smiling to yourself thing. I I remember that from like Eat Pray Love. Did you ever see that movie? Yes. Where like literally she like went to Thailand and the the guy told her he's like sit and just smile for like 20 minutes a day. So who knew? Clearly, like that, that's a thing that's been around for like thousands of years. Anyway, I I actually do that. I've tried, I've done that before. Um, is the smiling to yourself like an idiot. Um, and it actually, you're right, like it's a brain hack. Um, Does it work? Do you feel better? A little bit, to be honest. Like, and you're right, it's not, it doesn't cure everything, but like I can sense a slight shift, and we're all about those slight shifts. We're all about it. Any other tips that you would recommend for some of us at home trying to manage our depressions? Yeah. And I kind of want to give you guys things that are out of the norm because you can absolutely Google things. And like all those things are really great. I think first I need to say you have to do them. If you just read about it on the internet, it doesn't osmose into you and then you all of a sudden feel better. Like you got to go do the thing. So there's tons of really great stuff there, but I'm going to give you some like odd, obscure ones because maybe a lot of you have tried a lot that are out there. There's really cool research about putting your hands in dirt that actually makes you feel better. They think it's like something with like the, the chemical makeup of dirt and like touching, you know, the dirt with your bare hands. Um, so like go roll around in some dirt, like do it naked in the <laughs> moonlight. I mean, it's a quarantine, everything goes, right? So that could be a really great thing. Get a garden going, get outside, go do something. If you don't have outdoor space, even getting a plant and repotting it and taking care of something else, if you don't have a pet, stuff like that, is also really helpful for depression. They also say like touching other people. So again, quarantine, social distancing, (laughs) very difficult. But even if you have a pet or a significant other or a husband like myself, like sometimes like you just go and just pet them, just like, you know, like put your (laughs) hand on them. 
Um, again, tons of research that show even if we are mad at our significant other, if we sit pinky to pinky and just hold pinkies because you really don't want to talk to them, you tend to feel better because you have that connection with someone else um, chemically as much as you know physically and, and um, emotionally. So if you can touch something or someone and you might have a pet rock that you hold, I don't, I don't judge, <laughs> but whatever it is, like find yourself connecting by holding and touching something else too because that helps ground us. I, lo- I love these obscure tips. <laughs> I love the dirt one. I also heard, I've heard this, I don't know, uh, similar to the dirt thing, like just standing outside on the ground, like with your bare feet. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before. I haven't heard nope. the hands. I'm, I'm, I'm a weirdo. I will try all this shit. Internet <laughs> challenge, like hashtag, um, just do it and, and tag us. For just for, because I know we left off on the connection piece and for anybody who is isolating right now, because I think that that's, that's a big contributor to why some of us probably feel bad right now. Totally. If you can't tell somebody, how about even... I I think like calling people or like FaceTiming people, like can that kind of have the same effect? Yeah. Yeah. It won't be as strong. So I don't want to like, you know, disillusion any of you. But yeah, absolutely. We are pack animals. Like we come from packs. It's why we, you know, uh, if you look at um, Walking Dead, we form our own little hordes. Um, (laughs) But if you also look at packs, if the pack is mostly negative, you are more likely to be negative. So if, you, if you're standing around with a bunch of negative people, a bunch of depressed people, even a bunch of um, people who are just always seeing the, the not so great side of life, you are more likely to be like that because our brains try to fit in. It's, it's just something natural that happens. We don't want to be cast out. So I think I would really say just FaceTime, but Choose very carefully who you're FaceTiming with. Surround yourself with positive people. Surround yourself with people that are uplifting and that are going to challenge you and check in on you and you know, uh, really listen to you. Again, why therapy is great. But um, I think that we also, need, we also need to understand that isolation in itself is dangerous. So arguably, the worst place you can be is jail. Arguably. Now, when you are in jail, when you get punished, you get sent to isolation. You, you're, when you're being punished, your punishment is being completely alone. So for all of you out there who are self-isolating and not reaching out and not talking to anybody, please know you are punishing yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, no bueno. It's no good for the brain. People genuinely can go crazy if they spend too much time alone. Um, we have technology that helps with that. So that's really important. And being connected actually helps with our immune system and our health. Uh, people who are connected have less instances of stroke, less instances of heart disease. Married men live longer. The reason is why they have somebody there, A, nagging them, but B, like, because it's that connection. (laughs) Um, So my husband better thank me that I'm here nagging him to go to the doctor. Um, So being a part of something is incredibly important right now because we don't have our usual opportunity. So we have to intentionally, I guess is the word that I'm going to pick for this. We have to intentionally make time for that. Yeah, I think that you're so right. And it's so important. And even if we're limited to FaceTimes and calls, it's better than nothing. Absolutely. Speaking of like the isolation piece, and I just I keep seeing like the stories are starting to come out now that I think are really scary is like how disease outbreaks like this. Like I, I've seen a lot of articles linked back to like the SARS outbreak in Hong Kong in t- mm. 2002 and how it led to like a big increase in suicides. And I feel like that has a lot to do with 
um, isolation as well. But I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of things like isolation, financial scarcity and all of this stuff. I'm sure it all kind of like crushes onto each other and leads to this perfect storm of like an increase in suicide. So I couldn't do this episode. And I, I know, I know this is like not a fun topic, but like, tell us a little bit more, like, tell us a little bit about suicide and like, if there's anything that if somebody's feeling some feelings, like anything that we can really do, because that is like the end of the rope. Yeah, I know. Super uplifting, but I'm glad we're having this talk. <laughs> and I'm glad you guys are listening to this because it's important. Um, suicide is so scary because it's so unnatural, right? Our bodies and our minds do anything to avoid dying. That's our main purpose here. Um, then to procreate, I suppose. So when people feel suicidal, they start to feel you know, even ashamed, really. The people I've worked with who have had suicidal th- thoughts feel incredibly ashamed. Now, I suppose like there's a difference between wanting something to be over and thinking of suicide as an option. Like I have to kind of like normalize that a little bit. Like, yes, there that could be an option in your Rolodex of options. But what starts to get really scary is when you have a plan, when you have a time, a date, a, a note... These are the things that you've put a lot of thought into this. This isn't a passing like, oh, it would be so much easier if I wasn't here. Or I wonder what people would say say to me at my funeral or say about me at my funeral. This is something a little bit deeper if you're going to tell me like, yeah, and I do it this way and this and this. So not to trigger anyone. And I hope you you guys are taking time um, after this to decompress this episode because it is a little heavy. But there... There are there is help out there. The suicide hotline is twenty four seven. You can text them. You can email them. Um, getting a therapist and talking to a therapist. We are, I think, all nationwide, all online right now. I think we've gotten the okay from the insurance companies to be able to bill online. And if you don't want to go through your insurance, there's plenty of us that don't take insurance and we'll take you. Psychologytoday.com is a great resource if you're looking for someone. But I think it's important that you let someone know how you're feeling because if we don't know, we can't help. As a daughter, as a mother, as a sister, whatever, we, I can't help you if I don't know what's going on. So definitely talk about it if you're having those feelings because hopefully you don't have to go through it alone, which is even scarier. Yeah, 100%. And I'm glad you, you circled back on the like getting help thing because that's something we have to like talk about a little bit because it's one thing to say like I'm going to go get help. But then when you actually start to try to do it, I know I've run into challenges in the past. And it's good to know that people are... I think I think right now, especially with this pandemic, like you, a lot of mental health providers are online, which makes it so easy. You know, like it makes it so much easier to, from the comfort of your couch, get mm-hmm. with a um, professional. I know when I tried to go see a therapist, like back in the day, I had to like, find one that took my insurance and then like find a time to go to their office and see if I actually jived with them. And a lot of times I didn't. And it was just like a lot of a time consuming process. So do you think this is like a trend that will continue after this is like more and more healthcare will be available online? Oh, I hope so. Because I think our lives are so wild right now. People do... People work like 90 hours a week, like some people that I work with. And that's a real number and it's wild. Um, so sometimes it's really hard to get out of work, drive to an office, sit there for 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, and find childcare. Oh, and get dinner ready. Oh, and by the way, I need to go work out. So I think it's important that like having online as an option stays around. Um, that's a, a separate conversation for a million different reasons. But 
I, I think I don't know if it's going to go anywhere anytime soon. And I, you can't quote me on that, but I think now that we've introduced it to the public, the hope is that it will stay around. Some of the things that I've heard from people in my private practice about the hesitations from getting therapy are like, well, what if it's awkward? Girl, bruh, we are trained in awkward. We got this. Don't worry about it being awkward. We love to have awkward conversations and it won't feel as awkward. I guess the other thing too is the insurance piece you said. Most people take most insurances. Now, you can go on psychologytoday.com and it's almost like finding a car. You just like put in your insurance and like what your symptoms are and you know where you would want to be seen and if you want a male or a female or you know another human being. So I think that, that that's a kind of cool thing too where it will literally filter out and give you your top options and the person's picture comes up and their blurb and you can even send them like a cool email being like, "Hey, can we chat for 5 minutes because I can't swipe right on you?" So can like <laughs> can we sit down and just see if we're a match cuz sometimes therapy is a little bit like dating where you do have to find the person that meshes with you. Yeah. Yeah, that was something I didn't expect. And it took me like a hot minute to like find someone I actually was like, oh, okay. Um, so that's always something when like people tell me they're like interested in getting therapy. Like I always like want to like warn them about that and to like not be discouraged. Mm. Um, I talked to a friend of mine who like after years of, you know, pretty much being depressed, like I talked them into going to a therapist and they went one time and they're like, I didn't like it. <laughs> I'm like, go somewhere else. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with therapy. Yeah. Like, I'm like, you a gotta, carrot. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm like, carrots. You got to give it a chance, man. You got to give it a chance. Um, yeah. That's just something I wanted to point out. And um, on that note too, I mean, one of, the thing that, one of the things I wanted to leave off too with this conversation is we're talking about depression and mostly we've been talking about like if you're experiencing these feelings. But I also think it's an important conversation to be on the other side. Like if you know somebody who's going through this or who's really taking this whole quarantine, self-isolation thing really hard. Like what we can do as somebody who might see our friends or loved ones suffering. Mm, I love that question. Um, I really teach people as supports to ask really good questions. So the simplest one is, how are you? And when I say, how are you? It's like, not just like, hey, what's up? It's like, no, no, how are you? So and every time a client comes in and sits in front of me, I'm like, hey, how are you? And they're like, oh, I'm good. Da-da-da. And I'm like, okay, how are you really? And they're like, oh my God, this is terrible. Like, and they just start sobbing. Um, so I think really probing people and asking them how they are is not something we're used to as a society because we just are like, hey, how are you? And we don't actually want to wait and hear what the other person has to say. Listen to them. Listening is going to be your best thing. The other thing is asking them, what do you need? I think this is like the best question you can ask if you are if your significant other comes home and is all upset, your children your children are having a meltdown, your boss is in a tizzle. I don't know if that's a real word, but I'm making it one. I'm into it. <laughs> I like it. I think it's like a, a frenzy and a and a a tizzy. Yeah. <laughs> a tizzle. <laughs> anyway, if you ask them what do you need and they say nothing, being like it really kind of stretching that out, being like, okay. Does nothing mean you want me to leave you alone? Because that's something I can do. Is nothing you want me to check back in with you? Is nothing you want to sit here in silence? Asking people, what do you need? Will help them feel seen. It will help them feel heard. It'll help them get over what they're going through because they know somebody is there and is safe enough to ask them that question. I love that. I love that. That's so, that's so good. And guys, like this is... 
this is a hard time for everybody. I think like we all need support. Check in on your friends, check in on your grandparents, check in on everyone. Um, And like you said, I think listening, like that sounds so simple, but you're right. It's easy to kind of gloss over our feelings a lot of the time. So this is a, this is a time to, to practice that. Uh, Dr. Daryl, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I think these, this is all really, really helpful. If, if our listeners want to get more from you, where can they find you? They can go to my Instagram at Dr. Daryl Appleton, my website, www.drdarylappleton.com. My email's on there. I genuinely, this sounds so corny, but I do genuinely want to help. So if I can point you in a direction, I would love to help. Um, My private practice website is www.polarisri.com. So there are resources there. Check them out. But I think the most important thing is you have to do it. Depression isn't who you are. It's a part of you, but you have to do something to make it better. So as long as you're getting out there, as long as you are making the effort, um, there are there are ways to make it feel a little bit better. Oh, thank you so much. I'm going to link all your stuff in show notes too. So you guys can find it there. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Stay sane, everybody. All right, guys, that is a wrap on our episode this week. I know that was a lot for one episode, but I hope it was helpful and maybe you got some things out of this one that you didn't expect. I want to give a huge shout out to our guests this week, Annabelle DeSisto and Dr. Daryl Appleton. I'm going to link all of their info in show notes so you can check them out. If you need something a little lighthearted after this, I'm also going to link Annabelle's podcast, Adderall and Compliments, which is hysterical. And I've actually been a guest on her show. So I'll link that episode in show notes too, if you want to check that out. I also did a blog post about free and cheap therapy resources, which I will link in show notes as well if anybody needs it. Seriously, this is a time when all of our mental health is being tested. And if you are struggling or having a hard time feeling normal, just trust me when I say you do not have to suffer alone. You do not have to keep your head above water by yourself. Like Annabelle mentioned, getting help can be like drowning and someone throwing you a life jacket. Take the fucking life jacket, guys. This is 2020 and there is absolutely no shame in asking for help. In fact, I think asking for help really takes balls and shows some serious emotional intelligence and maturity. So if you need it, there are gonna be some resources for you all listed in show notes. Take advantage. As always, if you are enjoying the show, please take a moment to subscribe, tell your friends, maybe leave a two-second review if you can. It makes a huge difference and helps this little show grow, and I just really, really appreciate it. Also, if you thought this episode was helpful, maybe screenshot it and add it to your Instagram story. You never know who it might help. I hope you guys are all staying safe and sane out there, and if you need some laughs and distractions... Definitely check out Big Kid Problems on Instagram and make sure to come back here next time for another brand new episode. Until then, I'll see you next Tuesday.